Good morning, Relentless Church. Welcome to Relentless Church Online. Uh, we're continuing, as you just saw, our unprecedented series because these are still unprecedented times and uh, it's been unprecedented in all kinds of ways. So uh, we experienced that in our house uh, just a few in the last week or so. Um, like I'm sure many of you have, and maybe you're um, like us at the Jones house, that everyone, specifically husband and wife, doesn't necessarily see uh, things from the same perspective. So uh, my wife and I, with corona, uh, she tends to be more cautious, or some might say more wise. And uh, that showed up again as my son Jackson, my oldest son Jackson, who is 16 now, um, he got a runny nose, a, a nothing, runny nose, cold. So I'm like, you know, he gets that all the time. The weather's getting a little cooler. And my wife says, yeah, we probably need to hold him from class, academics. We probably need to hold him out of open gym, athletics. And I'm like, what? For a runny nose? She's like, well, just in case that it's COVID, that it's corona. And it's like, but it's not. It's a runny nose. We've seen this his whole life. It's no different. He doesn't have a fever. He doesn't have any of the other symptoms. There's no reason to stop our life and hold him out of things for a runny nose. And she's like, well, but he could have it. And the only way to know is to get him tested. Let's just go get a rapid test and, and make sure he doesn't have it. And I'm like, well, but the problem with getting him tested is then you then you can't play dumb. Then you can't say, oh, we didn't know, right? Then we're, if he happens to have it, then we're going to know. And then we're going to have to like quarantine and all this stuff. And she's like, but that's the right thing to do. And she's right. But ah, you know, it's just, so we, we end up, long story short, we get him tested. It comes back negative. He misses a day of school. He misses a day of practice um, and of open gym and, and all is well. He didn't have COVID and we're back to life. But I just like, I've been, I've been doing okay. Right. But in that whole scenario, man, I was, I was just done. Just like, Hey, you know what? If he's got it, he's got it. If he infects all of Wake County, you know what? It is what it is. We'll just blame it on the kid. He's 16. He should have known better. Right. And I think there's this, there's this term that, that some of us are experiencing, uh, maybe all of us in different ways and levels of pandemic fatigue right? And it's in unprecedented times, right? It just gets to a point and, and it looks different, I'm sure for you, whatever that, but, but you just feel like, man, you know, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of done. The problem is we have no power or control to end this pandemic. Um, so we feel that helpless. And, and in that we've stepped into the series and and said as a church, hey, prayer is not something you do when you can't do anything else. Prayer actually unleashes the power of God. It actually um, unleashes the promises of God. And it actually isn't just praying. It actually is the place where God is able to speak and deal with our hearts. And the do that we want to do, we don't know what to do. Well, that, that's going to come through a relationship and, and through prayer. Um, that's how he reveals. And we talked about that a little bit last week, even on our birthday Sunday. So today... We're going to take another step. This is going to kind of set the, the stage for um, October and the rest of the month. What I want to do is I want us to walk through um, a specific paragraph that, I, that I'm confident God is going to speak through to your life and to our church. And it's going to connect some dots and it's going to answer like, what do we do in this? Like, what do we do when all of this is like, yes, we pray. Remember, we're praying, church. We decided a month ago, we're going to pray like we've never prayed before. Get in on that. Uh, we got a brand new uh, October prayer guide coming out. Um, if you're on our email list, you'll get that email to you this week, and it'll have what to pray for. A lot of it's the same as stuff we've been praying for. We're just going to keep praying and trusting 
Um, so we're going to keep doing that, but but in addition to praying like we've never prayed before, we're going to expect God to speak through this paragraph in the fourth chapter of Philippians. And, and here's how it starts. And this is this is the text for today. It simply says to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So Paul repeats himself, right? You know, when a teacher or a parent says, hey, let me say that again, right? It's pretty important. So he says the same thing twice, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. You're like, wait a second, man, I'm, we're all struggling. And, and, and I, you know, I got to that place of pandemic fatigue when my kid had a runny nose. Maybe you've been tired of bigger stuff than that. You're tired of the financial stress. You're tired of the medical stress. You're tired of the political stress. Like you're tired of just the anxiety. You're tired of not being able to go to a movie or your favorite restaurant, whatever. You know, maybe you're just tired of seeing my face on the screen. I don't know what you're tired of, but speaking of seeing my face on the screen, I want to remind you, um, some of you, we've tried to get you to Relentless uh, Online, Relentless Church Online, and you can get to that through our website or through Googling it. Um, But some of you still watch on YouTube or Facebook, and, and that's great. We're just so happy that you're here. The reason we tried to get everyone to come to the Relentless Online platform is because we're able to chat and interact with each other in a, in a pretty cool way. We have some amazing online hosts uh, that are ministering in that way each week, uh, 9.30 service, 11 o'clock service. So, um, man, just get in on that if you're willing. If you don't want to be a part of that, then just keep watching on YouTube or Facebook, and, and that's cool. But we, we link a bunch of stuff on the live chat, and it's, um, it's, a, it's a blessing. But anyway, maybe you're tired of chatting. Maybe you're tired of online. Maybe you're just tired of being tired. I don't know. So in that, I'm, here I am, and I'm coming with rejoice in the Lord always. Like, maybe your natural response to that is, how am I supposed to rejoice in the Lord always right now? in this. And that's what God's going to speak to us about. Let's, let's, let's have, uh, let's start with just that word, right? Rejoice. It's kind of a weird word. It's a word. Sometimes you sing it in Christmas time. Like, what does even that word mean? It, it simply means, rejoice means to feel or show joy, right? So it's an, it's an outward expression. Um, it's rejoicing. It is, it is showing, or, or sometimes it's not outward. It's just inward feeling this thing that we call joy. And, and scripturally, it's, it's rejoicing in the Lord or delighting. It's another way to say delight. If you rejoice in the Lord, you're delighting in Jesus. Here's what it's not. Let me be real clear. It's not walking around with jazz hands. Right? That's not joy. That's fake. That's not even fake joy. It's something else, right? It's something that I think if one of the disciples did that, I think Jesus would make fun of that disciple. I'm confident of that. So it's not faking, it's not skipping, it's not acting like you're happy when you're not. That's not what joy is. It's, it's, it's not anything except an authentic depth of uh, connection and uh, peace and satisfaction. In, and it's connected to happiness, but it's much deeper than happiness. And it's not fleeting, right? So maybe you've been some places, as I have, where you get your temperature checked with the you know, forehead scanners, right? So, so you can go one day and um, I went to the dentist a, a while back and I went in there and they, they temperature checked me and I was too hot. They're like, you've been in a hot car, just fan yourself and we'll take it again in a minute. They took it again and then I was good, right? So it's up and down, it changes, right? That's not joy. 
when he says rejoice, it's not something that, you know, you're, uh, oh man, I had joy on Tuesday, but then, man, I lost it by Wednesday and I got to get it back. No, joy is available at all times. It's not fleeting. It never leaves, right? But he's saying rejoice in the Lord. So, so this is important. Joy is something you have in Jesus. Like it's just something that you get, you own as a child of God. This is something you have, but rejoicing is something you do, right? So rejoicing and joy are connected. Rejoicing is showing or feeling that joy. Joy is something that you have. It's a gift. It's something you have, but rejoicing is something that takes your action. It's something that you do. Otherwise, Paul would not be commanding it. Church, rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it again, rejoice. So rejoice requires something from us. To actually rejoice, you, you feel it, but you, you gotta do something. Otherwise, it wouldn't be commanded, much less commanded twice. It's, a, it's an active dwelling, right? It's, it's a purposeful, strategic, specific stopping and thinking and meditating and dwelling on the source of our joy, the source of our life, specifically on Jesus, specifically on the gospel. When we say we're a gospel-centered, like I, I hope you figured out we're not joking, right? Everything actually does center, revolve around the gospel, the incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. So that's the source of our joy. And when we don't center on the gospel, and it's so easy for me to center my life on all kinds of other things, when I get off center, that's when everything else, that's when I start to feel disconnected from joy, not because joy is not available, but because I'm off center. So rejoicing is the act of dwelling, putting the gospel in the center of your life and deciding that, hey, everything is going to be about what Jesus says, what Jesus did, and what Jesus is, and what that means for me and about me. It's gospel-centered. It's forever focused, which comes from, you know, that same uh, out of the gospel. We know that this life is not all there is. There's so much more. We're focused on forever, and that affects today, and where multi-ethnic movement is centered on the gospel, the people, the family the bride of Christ, the body that God is creating and calling together things that the culture says are apart and divided, the cross has brought together. So all of that, so it's just rejoicing is having joy come from the dwelling on Jesus because it's specifically rejoicing in the Lord. So, so we're dwelling on a lot of things, but let me give it to you three, three things. What was, what is, and what is to come. All right, so we're dwelling to rejoice in the Lord as I'm actively dwelling, meditating, thinking on what Jesus already did. That there was a man who was actually God in a human body that chose to leave the perfection of heaven and come to this earth and was born into the Middle East 2,000 years ago and, and lived a pretty quiet behind-the-scenes life for 30 years, and then he came and started his ministry and, and made the most audacious, ridiculous, offensive, blasphemous claim that you can make that I am not just sent by God, a lot of men had come saying they were sent, but that I am God, All right, which eventually led to his death, but it wasn't just his death. We dwell on the worst of me. The punishment for the worst of me has been handled on the cross. It has, my debt has been paid on the cross. 
So you just dwell on how much God must love us to lavish love on us that he would let Jesus come and take our place. You dwell, you rejoice. Man, that's, I don't, that love is insane. And, and that takes you to what is. That takes you to who your identity. I, I, we always say it's, it's who I am is based on whose I am. Who I am is completely wrapped up in whose I am. I belong to God. I was bought by God. What was the payment? How many, how many dollars? No, it wasn't dollars. It was the blood of Jesus that purchased me. Wow, like that's where my value comes from on my best day, on my worst day. That's who I am. My identity is a a forgiven, righteous, holy, adopted, inheriting, full saint of Jesus. That's who I am, right? So I, I know that. I preach that. But if I don't purposefully, daily stop and think and dwell on that, then then I'm not rejoicing in the Lord. So it's what he's done, it's what is, and then it's what is to come. That I'm preaching and living right now, what I'm telling you, I believe it with all my heart, by faith. I've never seen Jesus face to face. I will, right? That brings me joy. I I feel joy when I think about the moment, right? And there's no fear in that moment because he's holy and I'm not, but he made me holy and he loves me and he proved it on the cross. We already, right? So the gospel lets me be excited about meeting my God and then entering this new life, this new heaven. And and the difference is that there is no death. there, there, There is no politics. There's no election. There's no racism. There's none of that. And there's no end. Like that's, we're closer today, church, to that world and life than we've ever been. Well, I know that I've heard. No, stop. Dwell on that. That's how we rejoice in what he's done and who we are today and what he's doing in in his global church and and relentless church and in the promises that are to come. That's all what he's talking about when he says rejoice in the Lord. Now, I I told you it's fair, right? When you're dealing, and it may be pandemic related, it may be something else that's hard in your life. But all of us are going to get to a place have gotten to a place, our teenagers right now, all they're walking through with school, parents and young kids, all that. You're going to get to a place where you're like, man, how can I have joy right now? How am I, how am I supposed to have joy in the middle of this? Right? Maybe you're going through some relational junk. Maybe you're just lonely. Maybe it's financial junk. Maybe it's health. And you're just like, man, okay, I get it, but this is not the day. This is not the message for me. Not right now. There's no way I can have joy right now. And, and I get it. And I've been there. And I, and I know that Jesus wants to speak to your heart if that's where you are. And he wants to say, hey, I'm here. Like this is about me. I want to give you a joy that doesn't go away when you're in the middle of junk. I want to give you a joy that is so real and, and so lasting and so authentic that you don't have to get it and lose it and get it and lose it again and try to get it back. Like, that's the point. That's the proof that we don't understand joy, right? Maybe especially in the American church because right now we're struggling and I can have an attitude of like, let's just get through this and then we can talk about joy and peace and all that stuff. And Jesus is saying to me, you don't understand joy if you think you got to get through something in order to have it. Joy, the purpose and the perfection of joy is you can have it no matter what is going on in your life or in the world around you. Now, come on. Doesn't everybody you know, and don't you, don't you want something 
that is so joyful and so deep that nobody can take it away, even if the world seems to be crumbling around you, or even if your life is not going anything like you want it to, but still there's a joy? How do you, how do you get that? You rejoice. You choose to rejoice in the Lord always. And he said it again, rejoice. We're not minimizing anything going on in your life or in the world today, right? There's some huge stuff. Jesus doesn't minimize that. He's just saying, I haven't changed. What I did for you on the cross, how I defeated death, who your identity is, and what I have planned for you in this life and the next, none of that has changed. You're not rejoicing in your paycheck. You were never supposed to rejoice in your athletics or your academics, right? Those can be blessings that we thank God for, but that's not the source of our joy, Right, so, so the source of our joy has not changed at all in 2020. We can make the 2020 jokes and I make them, right? But Jesus hasn't changed and our source of our joy hasn't changed. Let, let, me, let me push. And this has been convicting for me as I'm trying to look myself in the mirror. Here, here's a question that I've been asking myself. Let me ask it to us. Could it be that we have built our lives on things other than Jesus? that we've built, like Jesus is invited, but he's not the foundation. And when those things that we're actually building our lives on, when they're taken away, we struggle to find joy in Jesus because he wasn't our source of joy to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're building our lives, we believe in Jesus, but we're building our lives on our own success or our own stuff, maybe good stuff, maybe bad stuff, I don't know. And then that stuff's taken away and pandemic and crazy and there's nothing we can do about it. And then we're trying to figure out how to have our, our, our source of joy be Jesus. But the problem is that's new to us because that's not how we were living pre-pandemic. right? And, and I don't say that to like scold. I say that to encourage towards like there's nothing like a life built and the source of our joy being Jesus because that can't be taken away. Back in the day, in the 90s, there was these popular uh, Ball is Life shirts. Um, and they would say, you know, basketball, football, whatever. Pick your sport, you'd buy the shirt. It said, basketball is life. And then the little caption would be, everything else is just details. So your sport is life, right? Pretty strong statement. They were real popular. I think this pandemic has highlighted for many that Jesus isn't life. Um, that he's an accessory, um, that he's an add-on, that he is, he is a part of the puzzle, but he's a part of the house, but he's not the foundation. And, and Jesus was never meant to be an accessory. Jesus was and is meant to be one thing, Lord, the cornerstone, the foundation of everything. I don't even have to know you to say the number one need in your life the number one need in your soul, in your existence, is to be in Christ, to be in the Lord, connected to your Creator, forgiven, redeemed, rescued, adopted by God through Jesus. That is what you were made for, right? So if, if we're not in Jesus, then it's really hard to rejoice in the Lord. So this is really cool that Everybody watching this message, wherever you are, I don't even, you can be another state, another country. Have you ever trusted him to be your foundation, to be your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, 
right? That is always, and always will be your first step. And what he offers you is a satisfaction in your soul, a joy that nobody can take away. You begin, why would I rejoice in the Lord? Because he loves you. Even before you ever considered him, he loved you and his relentless love, man, it just keeps coming. And if you're someone who said, man, I've made a decision. I, I follow Jesus. I'm all in, right? I'm not perfect, but I, I do call him Lord and Savior of my life. Then it's for you. It's a daily decision to rejoice in the Lord, right? The Holy Spirit said this several times through Scripture, several times through Paul. And Paul said it several times just to this church in Philippi where we get the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. And right here he says, and I'm going to say it twice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. So you have a daily decision today and again tomorrow to sit in the joy of the Lord, to sit in what he's done, to what he's doing, and what he's promised to come. That affects everything about our day. And, and we, we need help in this. We were never meant to do this on our own. Right? You need, I need people in my life that are rejoicing in the Lord. Like it's contagious, it's infectious, it's encouraging, it's instructive. Right? That's why we're so excited about what, uh, what we're kicking off uh, this week. We've been talking about it for uh, a month and, and more, but it's not too late to get in on this. It, it, we got stuff, we got kids stuff, we got student stuff, we got men's stuff, we got women's stuff. The, the men's virtual Bible study and the women's virtual Bible study through the If, if, if Conference, all of that starts this week. The, the ladies are on Monday night, the men are on Tuesday night. And we did that because in the pandemic, right, like babysitting, all that's hard. So if you're married, then we're hoping, fellas, that you'll handle the kids on Monday night so your wife can, can do the If uh, women's study and, and that ladies will handle kids on Tuesday night. So the guys, however that works, but sign up. So we, we're ready and excited for you and all the details and times and how to do that. It's on the front page of our website, relentlesschurch.cc. But we weren't meant to do this rejoicing the Lord, just me rejoicing, you rejoicing. We're supposed to do this together, right? So we're excited about seeing some, some of each other for the first time in a long time, even if it is on a Zoom call, it still counts, right? We can still rejoice in the Lord together. Um, and it's also why we are prayerfully, humbly targeting, and we announced this a month ago, but just in case you missed it, uh, November 1st as a, as a day to, to worship together in the building again. So we're working hard and praying hard towards being ready towards that day um, because it's super important. When safe, it's super important for us to be in the room doing this together. But in the meantime, we're going to pray like we've never prayed before, and we're going to rejoice in the Lord. And there's one more word in that sentence, right? He didn't just say rejoice in the Lord. He said rejoice in the Lord always, right? I try to, as my kids are now getting older, we're learning to um, not argue, but debate, right? I, I try to caution them against using the words always and never. If you're trying to make a point, you kind of hurt yourself when you say, well, you always because unless always is true, which it hardly ever is, but here is God saying to us through Paul, church, relentless church, rejoice in the Lord. Okay, I can, I can receive that. But then he added that, always. And that, that changes the whole, like that seems unfair, but it does encourage me as you study this to see that Paul, he wrote this from prison. He was falsely imprisoned and he was writing and affecting the world 
and being used by God. And, and he's the one saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, it's not a, just a knowledge. Joy is something that you have, but rejoicing is something you do. He was commanding. This is something, church, you got to do this. You got to do it always. Right? And I, I just thought, man, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. But I thought about my own life. And sometimes that I've gotten this right, sometimes I've gotten this wrong. And seasons where I've chosen and been very specific and strategic about rejoicing and, and the beauty and the impact and the fruit of that. And then other seasons where I haven't and how that messed me up in a lot of ways. And um, I think when, when things are going really well, it's a little easier to rejoice, although sometimes things are going really well and you can forget you know, where your blessings come from. But, but overall, I do think for me, I think for most, um, it's a little harder to rejoice when in the struggle and the pain than it is when things are going well. So I just thought um, I'd give you three practical things um, from my life. And this isn't all about me. It's just, um, man, this is my testimony. This is what I know because this is how God has shown and proven himself um, in some tough times in my life. And, and, and I want you to hear that so you can apply it to past stuff, present stuff, future stuff in your own life. The first, um, and I didn't really understand rejoicing in the Lord as a teenager very, very well, but I had a plan to go to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, as I've talked about before, where both my parents went to college. And um, My senior year, I really felt the call of God to do something else and to go somewhere else and to um, go into ministry as, a, as, a, as an occupation. And I wasn't sure what all that meant, but um, I ended up, and he, he spoke really loudly and opened doors and was really clear. So I ended up changing my plan and going to Kentucky Christian University um, to college. Now, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was a year ahead of me. She is already there, so she was going into her sophomore year, as well as my brother, um, who is still my brother, um, who was going into his sophomore year. So I went to my freshman year at Kentucky Christian University, and first time away, right? And sorry, college kids, I know it, I'm just, I'm not trying to pour salt in your wounds, but um, I was super excited to be, you know, a college kid and student. But I thought, because I, I loved high school, like I loved it, um, and it was a blast, and uh, I would go back, most people would, I, I would go back today if I could. Um, and I thought college would just be like a souped up, better version of high school. And I got to Kentucky Christian University, and it just wasn't. Um, and I was lonely, even though I knew some people and loved some people. I, I, was, I was lonely. Um, it wasn't fun. Um, those people didn't think I was that funny. Um, I didn't think they were that worth hanging around with. I didn't love Eastern Kentucky. Uh, I didn't love small college life. Um, and I just was kind of kind of lost. But, but I knew that God had been in that, right? So the one thing I did right is just take that to him. Some version of a prayer of, I, I don't know um, how you, I don't know why I'm here, but I feel like you got me here. So now what kind of thing? And I know what I'd love to say, I just walked around rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, maybe some of that, but a lot of it was, I was just, I was just struggling and lost. And, and in those prayers, I didn't know it at the time, in those prayers, uh, God connected me with two guys across the hall my freshman year in our wing of our dorm who became, and to this day, are lifelong friends. I speak to them every week, and we were in each other's weddings, and just all kinds of beauty and relationship from that. See, God knew what he was doing. Now, did he give me those friends? Because No, he, he, he was just good. 
But now I, I think back to that often in a time where I was really struggling to find my joy in the Lord. When, when I just took my struggle to the Lord, man, he was, he was good to answer and to meet me where I was and to know, you know, he had a plan. So even though I didn't rejoice in the Lord in that, it helps me rejoice now because when I'm struggling or lonely or empty or whatever, if I just focus back on the Lord, I know he's got me. And I know he knows what he needs and he provides, whether it's friends or he knows what your needs are too. The, the second thing is a much more difficult time in my life, probably the, the hardest uh, time in my entire life was about 10 years after college. And I've told my story uh, multiple times. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. And the reason I talk about my addiction um, I had a, uh, an addiction to pornography. I was a student pastor, um, and I just hid my issues. I hid my sin. Um, and as many of you know, when you hide and, and don't repent and don't confess, um, your sin tends to grow and snowball and just get more and more control over you. And that's what happened in my life. And the reason I talk about that is because I know God uses it. And I know some of you still come from a culture where pastors don't talk about um, their own stuff. I hope, I hope we're going to get to a day in my lifetime where that's really normal for pastors to talk about that. But, but just so you know, at Relentless, it's, it's really normal because I'm a human being just like, just like you. So, man, in this rejoicing in the Lord, finally, as always happens when you try to hide and, and trick and, and, you know, manipulate people and or God, uh, the truth comes out and, um, my addiction and sin and all kinds of things, my, my life in many ways fell apart, ministry fell apart, my marriage was in the process of falling apart. And, and again, I'm not sitting here saying, man, when all that went down, I was just rejoicing in the Lord. I, I didn't even wanna to talk to the Lord because I didn't really understand the gospel. I had a false belief that, that he loved me when I was doing well, but on my worst day, he just shook his head in disappointment, um, which is false by the way, like I didn't know that then, but what I found and all that was the heart of the gospel. And even though that was horrific, right? And there's pain and consequences, even still from that season, what I did find I would never trade. And that is that, that God really does love me, not based on how good I am, because I'm not good on my best day. He's good. I'm not. I can be good through him, but he loves me because he loves me, because that's who he is because he's a relentless God who doesn't give up on anybody. And I gave him a reason to give up, many reasons, and he didn't. And he wants to love me. He enjoys loving me. Um, and he met me in my darkest, lowest moment when I felt like my life uh, was just ruined. And he showed me uh, that he doesn't struggle to love me in that moment, in that place. He started to rebuild my heart, my life, my marriage and everything. And now when I talk about rejoicing in the Lord, I can't not talk about that because I go back to that. Not, not the horrific part of it. I just get to lean back on no matter what is happening around me. I know what he says I am. I know who he says I am. I know how he looks at me and what he sees. He sees a bought, forgiven, redeemed, restored, rescued, adopted son. Um, and man, when I dwell on that, I rejoice in the Lord. I can't help but have joy flow through my day, right? So, so that's how I really, from that day forward, my life changed, which brings me to the third thing and example of just how 
Um, how, how do you rejoice in the Lord always? Well, I, I didn't do it great in college, but it was the beginning of something that I could go back on. And then, man, I, I really learned what joy, the source of joy being Jesus' unconditional, relentless love through my own sin, my own issues. Um, and then the probably the other hardest part of my life is the death of my parents. Um, I'm going to talk about it as one thing, even though they died four years apart, both diagnosed with cancer and 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 are now with Jesus and um, man, that's like that's just so hard, right? Some of you have been there and understand exactly what I'm talking about. And and some of you that haven't, or some of you maybe are new to Jesus or trying to figure some things out, I get it. Like there's no shame if you're sitting there thinking there ain't no way you're rejoicing in the Lord when your parents die. There ain't no way. Um, and I get that. And I was where you were. I understand why you think that. But I'm I'm telling you, yeah. It's true. I rejoiced and rejoice still talking about it these years later. Not that they died. I rejoice in the Lord that loved them, that bought them, that saved them, the, the Lord that defeated death on their behalf. I rejoice not that they're gone, but I rejoice on that who they're with. I rejoice that I'll see them again. And I don't know how all that works in their new bodies, but we're, it's clear from scripture. I'll know who they are and they'll know who I am. Like that day is coming. I rejoice in that. I need to dwell on the reality and the beauty that Jesus defeated death and what that means for myself and people I love. So even though that was incredibly hard and there's still, I mean, there's still days, uh, so many days where I just think about, man, how would my parents deal with this? And I wish they were here to see this. And uh, how would they deal with the pandemic and how would they deal with this election and this season and what would they say and all that? And I, I miss them, right? And I still grieve them. Please, church, no. There is not a opposition. There is not a problem. There, you don't have to choose between grieving and joy. Those things coexist, right? In the world, they may not, but in God, they really do. I can rejoice in the Lord and still be sad sometimes. But it comes from knowing where my joy comes from. It comes from Jesus. And the, the day before they died versus the day after they died, Jesus was no less real. He was no less full of love. He was no less comforting. He was no less present. Right? So all of that stuff, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You can't take it away. We're going to go through stuff. We're going through this pandemic for who knows how long. Each of us individually are going to go through hard things. And I'm not... That's not depressing because there's a ton of awesome, beautiful things that God's going to walk us through too. But the consistent in all of it is joy. And that's available no matter what. But we have to choose to rejoice in the Lord. And I'm telling you, even through the death of my parents, in some ways, especially in the death of my parents, I learned to rejoice in the Lord, to have a joy that I'm telling you, there's no, there's no incentive for me to tell you this if it's not true. And I know some of you are just struggling. And I want you, and better than that, God wants you to have a joy that can coexist with your sadness, but that can, that can be real, that you can count on. Man, I'm just, even though I'm sad, I'm still full of hope and joy in the Lord. And I'm glad he said always, because there's no event or situation where that joy isn't real and isn't powerful. I, I just feel like there's an unopened gift that wasn't ever meant to be unopened, a gift of joy and peace. And what we're going to learn in this next month is that unprecedented times call for unprecedented peace. But I just can't say have peace and then you have it. There's, there's a process 
of living in that joy. And it starts today with this message of, hey, choosing to dwell on Jesus and rejoicing in the Lord. And he's going to build on that each week of this series. So we're going to drill down. I'm going to ask you to join us next week for this next week. Just rejoice in the Lord every day. Hey, how can I just dwell on who Jesus is, who he says I am, how much he loves me, what he's done for me? How can I dwell and rejoice on that? Does it mean you go outside and everything's great? No, but it does mean that you're rejoicing in the Lord and that will matter. I'm telling you, that will matter in everything else you're going to face this week. And we're going to build on that. And here's what I haven't said lately that I wish I would have, but I'm saying it now. Next week, as we build on this, bring somebody with you. You're like, whoa, well, we're not, I thought we weren't going back till November 1st. You're right. It's really easy to bring somebody to online church. You just text them. Hey, my pastor, is, he started this series. And it's about unprecedented times. And he's talking about having unprecedented joy. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't even know where I'm at with God, but... Man, would you, would you come with me to online church and would you walk through this next month with me? Maybe we can talk about it, have coffee, have a conversation. If you have questions or if you disagree with something he said, that, like that's awesome. I disagree with him all the time, whatever. But just, just invite somebody with you. Maybe after this message, maybe right now, God would be putting somebody on your heart. Maybe right now you're starting to text. Hey, I, I just listened to this message and, and there's this God is speaking about joy and, and I, I want to have this joy and I want to talk about this joy and I, wanna, I want you to have this joy. Would you watch this message? Tell me what you think. And then whoever you invite to watch this, like we can walk through this because this is part one, but the next four weeks are going to build on this message today. But we're just going to leave it there with rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, come back and bring somebody and if you haven't been into our website in the last couple of weeks, relentlesschurch.cc, there's all, as you're praying, we're praying like we've never prayed before. Prayer's going to lead to doing something. And if you want to know what to do, get on that front page right now. Sign up for the Bible study. Uh, sign up to serve it with love from Jesus. Get, get in on something, um, but do that through our website. And then this week, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to pray that over us now. Father, we just thank you that there is something so real that nothing and nobody and no situation can take it away. God, would you, would you speak to those who don't know you? Would you reveal yourself to those who aren't sure if you're real or if you love them or if this is all authentic stuff? God, would you just give them faith? Would you show up in their life in a powerful, supernatural God way? Would you whisper or yell or whatever they need to, to, to know that you love them? and that you have a plan and purpose for them. God, for those who follow you that are listening to this, God, would you touch their heart? Would you motivate and encourage? Would you remind, or maybe for the first time, God, would, that, that, that our lifestyle should be marked by rejoicing, that we would practice this this week. We would set aside time. God, we would set aside time to rejoice in who you are and who we are in you, and we would allow that to affect everything about our day. God, we praise you and thank you that there is nothing that can happen outside these walls. There's nothing that can happen in this world that can take away our joy. I pray we would live in that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.